Since Inside Out is still in theaters, the first few minutes of this podcast will be spoiler-free. Are you just watching episode 50, Inside Out? Welcome to the podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian. I'm Eve Franklin. And I'm angry. I mean, Tim Martin. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could be joy or sadness or disgust. I don't think you could pull off sadness, uh, believably. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> After a long day at work, maybe. Uh, amen to that. <laughs> well, Inside Out is still in theaters. It's a Disney Pixar flick. And um, interestingly enough, it is composed by the same person who composed Tomorrowland, which, you know, makes sense. They're both Disney movies. Ah, what did I think about that? Imagine that. Yeah. But he's, but he's an Italian. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, uh, Giacchino, uh, Michael Giacchino. I'm going to say his name right. Sounds good to me. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it was another wonderful score. He must be a Disney employed since he seems to do all their <laughs> Disney movies. And, um, be- it, you know, the music fit the story once again, just like it did in Tomorrowland. Tim, obviously you liked the movie. What did, was there anything particular that jumped out at you that was I not did. a spoiler? <laughs> <laughs> I did like this movie. And, and it, as you know, and for our listeners' benefit, when we went to go see the movie as a family, um, uh, I was not planning on taking notes. I was not planning on doing a discussion on it. We were just going to enjoy the movie. I got out of that movie and I'm like, oh, man, we have got to talk about this one. <laughs> And now you had actually gone to see it, but didn't get to, right? Yeah, yeah. I had um, uh, passes through the uh, the company that provides us press passes. They had actually given us the option to do the Fathom event for free. And the Fathom event came out, um, it was the Tuesday before the movie released. And they were going to do live stream the movie and have all of this like background stuff and Q&A with some of the actors and all this kind of stuff. That this sounds is, so cool. Yeah, it was this really big deal. So I I had originally asked for it to be at the theater that's closest to me, but she didn't have enough tickets. And so she sent me to the theater that was second closest to me. And I got there, had to pay for parking at that theater. So it was kind of... Wow. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's at a big mall. So they have paid parking there. But... Hmm. Anyway, I went to that theater and got all up there and got all settled and was ready to take notes. And five minutes after the show was supposed to start, an employee came in and said, we're sorry, we had technical difficulties and we're unable to connect to the event. Oh, uh, so it was it was kind of a bummer. That makes me sad. I know. <laughs> or angry or maybe That's a angry, little bit disgusted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, 
I had proposed a, sort of a, a different take for us on this movie, and neither you or I have talked at all about it. Nope. And we've um, taken no, we have no outline, no outline, no notes, nothing. This is going to be yep. fun. <laughs> we're we're coming to the table with just a couple simple questions or, or topics to discuss. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, the only comments we've shared was I told you to bring tissues. <laughs> And then I asked you earlier today, did you like it? And you said yes. yes. So we're coming from completely, uh, you know, places of ignorance, which yes. is, you know, normal for me. But that's beside the point. <laughs> yes. Now, um, it, what I found interesting, I, I just and this isn't really a spoiler. What did you think of the short that they played before the movie? Oh, what, that was uh, it was the mountain thing. Yeah, the lava. The lava. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I liked it, but it was a little drawn out for me. Yeah, I, I didn't like it. I was just like, huh? And I, I, it didn't really do anything for me at all. It's, you know, I, part of me wonders, because it had the island theme for sort of obvious reasons, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, part of me wonders if it's not a, um, uh aboriginal tale folklore mythology or something like that mm, who knows yeah yeah and uh, we would have had to research it for that <laughs> <laughs> nah i just i i don't know the, the i the i really like the animation movie. yeah i mean yeah the animation was fun i like the all the two animals and twos and all that that was kind of cute but yeah it, i just I, their shorts are usually so excellent and this one just i i just didn't really care for it so I think my favorite short so far has been what was the the paper airplanes one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They followed closely really by bounding. Ones. Yeah, <laughs> but that bounding's was, just fun. That that was just a little bonus extra because people don't go to see the movie to see their shorts. Well, some people do, but yeah, I I, uh, I go to see Avengers movies for the stuff at the end. <laughs> yeah, the concept for this movie I thought was pretty interesting though i think i'd seen a, a little meme going around on facebook about pixar's uh, uh, tendency to give everything feelings you know things yeah. that you don't normally think of as having feelings and then you, you go through their entire history of movies and like you know toys have feelings cars have feelings you know yeah. and now they're making a movie about feelings having feelings which i thought was <laughs> rather interesting <laughs> I it's, I like that idea. Um, I have since since I've seen it, I've read uh, a few things about it, and apparently the director brought in uh, a psychologist mm-hmm. for for reference. And I have since done a little bit of research on that, and uh, the whole primary emotions thing is all based in uh, psychological study and and uh, history. Mm-hmm. Um. The only core one that they did not use was surprise because they figured it was too close to fear. Mm. But uh, I, I really, I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was a great way to show the coming of age uh, yeah. story that this was at, at heart. At, <laughs> at heart. <laughs> yeah, you know, I kind of went into the movie without having any clue what to expect other than tears since you told me to um, take tissues. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I, I really had no clue. I've never really seen much hype about this. Now, one of my friends at work had been really, really, really excited about this movie. In fact, I gave him all the promos, promotional stuff that I got when I showed up for the Fathom event that uh, didn't actually happen. Uh, <laughs> I did get a, a couple little odds and ends that were of fun use to somebody who was, you know, a big Pixar fan. And so I gave, them, cool. gave them to him. Um but yeah, I, that was really the the sum total of any buildup that I had for the movie. So I kind of went in with a clean slate. I wasn't expecting anything, and I was pleasantly surprised. It's nice to do that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. So the movie is, in quick summary, the movie is uh, centered around an 11-year-old girl who has this wonderful life in Minnesota and then her family ups and moves her to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And the point of view is that of her emotions, the, <laughs> the five core emotions in her head. And uh, I would say predominantly joy. Yeah, absolutely. Joy, joy paid, played by Amy Poehler was definitely the main character, the protect, the protag. And uh, it was, it was a wonderful story. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I, we should, you know, we should, do, we should just go ahead and say this is the end of spoilers, so we can actually start talking about it. <laughs> it's sort of hard not to. Yeah. yeah, obviously, the last few things we can say is do check out um, the family friendly review at pluggedin.com dot com, and and definitely um, you know realize that this is a Disney Pixar film, so it is pretty safe for children. It, that's kind of who they made it for. So I did I did enjoy the curse words in there. <laughs> and the sexual content. <laughs> well, it's at one point, uh, anger says, can I use that one curse word? I know it's a doozy. <laughs> yeah. And there was a part at the end where he talks about it too, where his vocabulary expands. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, we do encourage you to not listen to the rest of our discussion until you have seen the movie. Um, you probably won't enjoy it very much. Uh, our discussion anyway, unless you've seen the movie and can really track what we're talking about. So, And when you go to see the movie, bring tissues. Yes, do take tissues. That's the one warning we'll give you. <laughs> You'll need them. All right. They have left and come back and rejoined us. And I really wanted to say one of the things that I really thought was funny was just not the few times that we went outside of her head into other people's heads. Oh, <laughs> You mean like the Brazilian helicopter pilot? <laughs> oh, I was thinking the mom and dad at that the dinner table discussion. I thought that was hilarious. Send him the signal. Yeah, and then um, and then the uh, um, the other thing was at the very end while they were doing the credits, they were showing um, different, oh. <laughs> like dogs and cats, and oh, it was hilarious. I, my favorite, obviously, was the cats. I own cats. So. I knew you would like the cats more than the dogs. <laughs> All the emotions were bouncing around playing inside her, <laughs> the cat's head. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the dogs. Uh, actually, the best emotional reaction in the in the film was when the when the main character, whose name I can't believe I can't remember, um, when she bumps into the boy at the hockey rink, and it uh, it shows his emotions. <laughs> yeah. I remember feeling like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just last girl, week. Girl, girl alert. Her name is Riley. Ah, thank you. 
Riley. <laughs> and her mom and dad are mom and dad. Oh, strangely I, I can't believe I forgot those. <laughs> well, the main characters are joy, fear, anger, disgust, and uh, which one am I missing? Sadness. Sadness. Oh, yes. Can't forget sadness. <laughs> and she's sort of important to the movie. She is sort of important. <laughs> Ends up being a lot more important than you think she is. Yeah, and you know what? Since we're past the spoiler part, let's uh, let's actually dive into that because yeah. I didn't I didn't know what to expect either going into the movie, and um, I was not prepared for everything turning about, especially being so centered on joy at the end of the movie to actually the entire movie being about. Sadness. The importance of sadness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't know that it was necessarily she was important in that one particular portion of Riley's life. But I think that it was, as you said before, it was a coming in a coming of age story in which our emotions start out very simple when we're children and then they get more complicated as we get older. And I think that it that it was kind of a, a story of how. In this particular instance, joy and sadness mixed together to make a new core emotion or yeah. core core memory. But I think as you were watching, you saw that all of the other little memories that were popping down were all color mixtures. And so it was just an, a speaking to the point that you reach a certain age where your emotions start getting very complicated. <laughs> um, it's I, I really like the mechanic of <laughs> before this huge transition, all emotions were one single color. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really does. It really did speak to the simplicity of being a child. Mm -hmm. And now she's gone through this huge life altering event of moving and having to find all new friends and a new hockey team. And uh, now her emotions are all made up of, little bits and pieces of the five emotions put together, which I thought was brilliant, a mm-hmm. great way to explain how nuanced it, it becomes. Yeah. That joy is often colored by sadness. I think that that those two go together very well in, in, um, in our lives as we, especially as we get older, yeah. because a lot of our joys in life sometimes include losses of some sort. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then I would imagine that fear, anger, and disgust are often mixed together as well. <laughs> to, so. For some of us more than others, I think. <laughs> but you know what really I thought was a little bit off about this? I was thinking about it right before we started recording. Um, in in the chronology of the story, they show that Joy is the very first emotion in Central Headquarters. And she's eventually joined by all the others. But... In every instance I've ever seen of a of a baby being born, anger is always the first. Uh, <laughs> they always come out screaming angry. So. Yeah, anger or maybe fear. <laughs> yeah. What I, did you do to put me back? Put me back. Put me back. Put me back. Yeah, so I I I kind of thought they got that mixed up a little bit. I don't think any baby starts with joy. Well, Amy Poehler had the you know biggest contract, so they had to start with her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they made it look like the very first thing that ever happens to a baby is it opens its eyes and there it's mom and dad were looking at it. So. <sighs> and none of my kids did that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they opened their eyes and they said, "Where? <laughs> Who 
food. I'm not. I'm cold. I'm hungry. I don't know what. There's bright lights. I just don't like any of this. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I I really wanted to uh, to touch on the whole topic of sadness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and as we had discussed earlier, I had prepared three topics or uh, questions. And uh, the one that I really wanted to to dive into, if you don't mind me diving in, <laughs> is, is sorrow, is sadness a godly emotion? And as I did some looking into this, the question turned out to be much harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> I would say that it's it's only godly in that sin we have sin and sin brought sorrow into the world. I think sin is the origin of sorrow. I was thinking that. I was thinking about that uh, except there's several places where Jesus uh experiences sorrow or troubled soul or troubled spirit. I'm not saying that he that sin that we have sorrow because we sin. I'm saying that sin is the origin of sorrow, that the, because Jesus was sorrowful, but all of the instances where he sorrowed, they were all a direct result of someone else's sin. Okay, yeah, I guess I can see that because uh, the Jesus wept is uh, the death of Lazarus, and death is caused by sin. Mm-hmm. And he wept in the garden because he was going to be taken to be basically killed for our sins. Yep. Okay. All right. I'll go with that. Um, Are peace and sorrow, do you think them opposites? Hmm. Yeah, probably. They're pretty close to it because if you're, I think you can have a sense of peace through sorrow, but I, I don't, I don't think they're like polar opposites. Okay. Yeah, I definitely can agree with that. The I, what I was thinking there was, you know, when um, when my grandfather died. My grandfather was a, a very strong believer. Uh, he was my mentor, my my uh, my rock, so to speak. And when he died, I had grief, uh, tremendous grief. Mm-hmm. But I also had a certain peace knowing that he had gone to be with Christ. Right. So uh, I don't think they're uh, opposites, but I don't think they normally coexist. (laughs) I think they can coexist, but I don't think, I think it's more because your peace came from a certain knowledge. Your sorrow came from a loss. So they they come out of different things Mm -hmm. and you can have them at the same time, but that doesn't mean that they're coming from the same place. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Definitely. yeah. So, yeah, I think that there, there, there are emotions that you can experience at the same time. Really, um, in the, you know, the world that we're talking about in this movie, I think peace kind of comes under joy. I mm-hmm. think that's um, the joy of the Lord or the peace that passes all understanding. I think that those are both almost synonymous from a Christian worldview that um, we have joy in God. God gives us peace. And so they they both come out of a perfect understanding of what of what God is and what he and living with God in control of our lives. So we can experience peace because we know we have a God who is in control. You can't hear me, but I'm nodding. (laughs) You need to make it a vocal nod. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
need to get the camera going here. Um, it's I did notice that a lot of the uh, a lot of the places that listed core emotions, uh, many of them listed love as a core emotion, and I was a little surprised that they didn't uh, put love into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it would have made for a, a different story, though. I think yeah. love would have been probably a little too overpowering. Uh, although there was Riley's uh, 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 imaginary boyfriend from Canada. <laughs> I like the imaginary boyfriend. I would die for her. <laughs> <laughs> and Joey um, goes, would you really? <laughs> can I count on that? <laughs> um, yeah, it, I think that, to be honest, I think Joy is probably... the they're using it kind of as love in some ways yeah. Uh, because that's the first emotion you see um, baby Riley feeling for her parents. I think that that's, you know, that's what that feeling is when you look at your parents, that's love. So, you know, you may not be able to distinguish it as love at that age, but I think that in that way, joy and love are very close. I think love is uh, love is like the, primariest of all colors yeah i yeah it's almost like and maybe it's because this was aimed at children and our culture really doesn't understand non-erotic love um i think that they probably left it out of the movie (laughs) for that started yeah um I, i our society definitely has issues with understanding what love actually is um that they've missed the definition somewhere along the way But yeah, that's another that's another topic for another yeah, day. Yeah, one we definitely don't want to get started on here. <laughs> Especially this week. One thing that I did um that jumped out at me and it was a very quick line. Um there was a scene where they were on the the thought train which I have to say in an aside, I loved the thought train. <laughs> <laughs> Hobos on the thought train. <laughs> um but they were on the thought train, and, and when they first got on, they knocked over a couple boxes, and one was facts and one was opinions. She's like, oh, we got these we got these all mixed up. And he's like, oh, they're facts and opinions. They all, all look the same anyway. <laughs> I love that line. And I, I just, you know, and it was so quick. It went by so fast, and they never came back to it. So it was just like, I kept thinking they're going to get there, and, you know, the facts and opinions are going to be all mixed up. Pixar throws Pixar throws that kind of thing in for the parents, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it just it 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 was just so quick and it was passed so fast. And I'm like, that is so much an issue in our education system that I, I remember one of my professors in high school. Um, I think it was my English professor. He had this cartoon up on his bulletin board. I remember it to this day. I don't remember what what cartoon it was but it it was like a three cell scene in which there was a teacher um teaching history and the kids were all diligently taking notes and he's lecturing and in the middle of his lecture he starts throwing out obvious things that are not true (laughs) and in the last um in the last cell one of the kids that's taking notes turns to one of the other kids and says i never knew all of this this is good stuff and I think he was, you know, the, the cartoon was obviously making the point as kids are big open minds. They don't know what is the truth and what is the opinion of the people that are teaching them. And they they take it. I mean, if you're teaching, 
they're going to take anything you say in a lecture and write it down in their notes. And so it, it just shows how susceptible our young people are to whatever they're told I had, by an authority figure. When you started telling the story, I had envisioned the, uh, the teacher, you know, just giving up on anybody listening and starting like, and then George Washington made a deal with aliens. <laughs> it was something like that, but it was just like completely bizarrely wrong. I mean, something you obviously knew was wrong. But anyway, I just thought that that was interesting about, you know, that especially for young people, facts and opinions can get really mixed up. Yeah. And it's it's important for us to make sure that I know, like now that I have the burden of teaching young people in church, um, being a, 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 a teen or high school uh, teacher, that it's a huge responsibility. And I try very hard to not push my opinions over scripture because that's what I teach obviously is the Bible and um, in Sunday but, school. That's so weird. Yeah. But in, in any, anything that you're a teacher for, regardless of what the subject is, it's, I think very important. It's a huge responsibility to not feed your opinions um, to vulnerable minds. Now, I think it's interesting that you have taken this with such a, uh, you took it so much, more seriously than I did, but with the exact with the exact same content and just as much validity. I was when that line when we were started discussing that line. I was thinking about all those people on the internet who can't tell facts from opinion. <laughs> yeah, because there seem to be a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We we live in a very susceptible culture, very gullible culture. Yeah. I think. And I mean, it, it's amazing how many times a, a week I'll have to correct somebody who's posting something on Facebook that they didn't bother to research. They just saw someone else post it and they're, oh, this looks cool. How hard, how hard is it to go to Snopes? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's just so many gullible people out there. And and it's like at least do bother to do just a little bit of research before you jump on a bandwagon. And I... I and, and I know a lot of people will think I'm really strange in bringing that up because they think that um, most young earth creationists like I am are completely brainwashed and have no research abilities, capabilities whatsoever. They think we, we don't know anything. We're just right. blind followers of our leaders. They they picture something like the Jim, Jim Jones <laughs> Society or something. Yeah, like we're all a bunch of dumb cult followers and they don't realize that um, there's a great deal of scientific support for the stance we take and yeah. w we believe it because it's in the Bible, but that doesn't mean that we're, we're complete dunces. Yeah. And I, I really do believe that, that there's the stereotype for, for my type of person out there that is so completely invalid. <laughs> and, and, you know, that, that stereotype, uh, it, as you go more general, it, it takes in, especially recently, all Christians are, excuse me, all evangelical Christians. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, sometimes it's a little more frustrating than others. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I try very, very, very hard to prove myself not gullible, especially yeah. on Facebook and other places. If I ever get caught posting something that is not true, I immediately delete it. Um, I, I and, and kick myself for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it, yeah, it's it that, but that is, it's really kind of, you know, takes a little bit of discernment in your life to mm -hmm. not be taken in by, by just 
every little thing that blows by. What is that? The, the scripture about uh, every wind of doctrine <laughs> being blowing you around. Um, but we have a firm foundation in Christ and we have a starting point and a foundation and, and we're not gullible. So that's <laughs> kind of way off topic, but it was in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was it, in the movie. <laughs> Ephesians 4.14. So we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. That's a hard word to say. Schemes. <laughs> so what, what was next for you? Um, the next thing I wanted to, uh, I had mentioned that love wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, what about faith? <laughs> And then I thought, well, faith isn't really an emotion. No. So I did a little bit of research. And uh, granted, this is the first research I've done, you know, since high school. And even <laughs> even then, we didn't have Wikipedia. So I just went to the, encyclo- the encyclopedia shelf, you know, in my, in my basement that had the encyclopedias from the 1960s. Um, but uh, Hebrews 1, excuse me, Hebrews 11.1 1 has the definition. Uh, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And I was wondering how faith ties into emotion. And I'm interested in what your, your thoughts are on that. Oh, that's kind of a biggie. I would say that um, faith is a tested um, devotion, which is a type of love. Um, when When you devote yourself to somebody, um, that's a type of trust. Mm-hmm. We got all these words in here that kind of go around it. So yeah, I would say that that probably ties back to a type of love. Um, you can't have, have faith in something that you don't to some degree love. Okay. I can see that. What, how does, uh, how does faith tie into the other core emotions in inside out? Well, like we've already said, they left love out. I would say that it's probably, um, a part of joy and part of fear because as we've discussed in other podcasts we are ordered in scripture to fear god yeah <laughs> and uh, uh we we spent a great deal about time on that in the after earth episode yeah we're talking about fear and the differences between fight and flight or uh, the kind of fear that's awe or reverence mm-hmm. and uh, i think that it's more fight or flight in the fear that's in inside out but i think that there there is a shade of fear that that comes in our dealing with God, that um, we're in awe of him. We respect him. That's a type of fear, as we said before. And so I would say it's, it's kind of partially fear, partially joy. It's one of those complicated uh, emotions. And disgust doesn't really tie into it at all. (laughs) No. And I don't think anger should either. Um, But I I do think that um, there is some, sadness involved with our relationship with God because there is a barrier between us and God. And, and so we can never have that perfect communion on this side of eternity anyway. Um, Let's go back to anger for a second. We know that anger can be righteous. So how does righteous anger tie into that? Well, I don't think that our anger is towards God when it's righteous. No. That would so, be sort of counterproductive. Yeah. So I think that, I mean, we were talking about faith. And so I think that that faith is definitely has no anger in it. Um, but I think that 
the anger probably can come out of more of a disappointment for the world we're in. I know that like this weekend, um, and we'll just go ahead and say it this weekend is following the court Supreme court decision that disappointed a lot of Christians. Um, I was on seeing on Facebook, some people were saying that Christians needed to get over their outrage. And I'm sitting here thinking, Mm -hmm. you know what? I'm not really outraged. I'm, not really angry. I'm more disappointed and very sad. Um, I think disappointment was the biggest emotion I had Friday. Yeah. Um, and the reason I wasn't outraged, number one, I was expecting it. So I, I didn't really see the court coming to any other decision in this case. And, um, the other thing was that I, I really feel like it's not something to be angry about, but it is something to be very sad about. Yeah. Uh, no, no argument about it. And, and again, uh, well, first I want to say there are many congregations out there, Christians uh, alike that support homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're biblical when they do that. <laughs> mm, no, no, I don't. Uh, but I love them. Regardless, yeah. uh, at yeah. least two of them are my brother and sister, mm-hmm. uh, brother-in-law and sister. And um, it, it it pains me when they, you know, they, they take that argument. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've been more put out, more disappointed by the uh, the state today of, uh, you know, I saw this flow chart of, uh, you know, give this even the most uh, zealot Christians can follow this flow chart. uh, And it compared homosexuality eating bacon, Mm. which is always a big one. And, (laughs) you know, you mess with my bacon and (laughs) we're going to have we're going to have words. Yeah. Well, you know, it's people think that that we hate homosexuals as Christians and that could be farthest from the truth. And I I think, I don't know whether you're aware of it. We mentioned in a previous episode about Ray Comfort's movie 180. Um, He just came out with a new movie this last week called audacity Ah. and I've already downloaded it and watched it and it's dealing with the homosexual issue. And the, the subtitle of the film is love cannot remain silent or love can't be silent. And I think that that is, where Christians come from on this topic from a biblical standpoint is that it's not so much um, that we hate homosexuals. We don't, we love them. Um, but you don't, you don't address somebody who you know is doing something that is going to lead to eternal torment and not speak. You have to say something. And if they take that as being judgment um, and, and they, and they get angry about it, that's just, you know, we still have to speak. It doesn't matter what the reaction is. We still have to speak because if we remain silent, we're dooming them to eternity in hell. And that's not what we want to do. We're not wanting them to go to hell. No. So to demonstrate true hate would be to stay utterly silent and to never speak up. Yeah. That would be hate. Yeah. And it's, um, I got to organize my thoughts here. <laughs> Um, every single one of us is sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. I mean, Christ didn't, it, the, the great physician didn't come 
to minister to the healthy. Right. Uh, and those of us who have accepted him into our lives, be it by election or by free will. Um, Whatever your camp is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a, we have acknowledged our need for Christ. We've taken the cure. Yeah. And, <laughs> but, we, but we understand that we have to continue fighting it. Mm-hmm. And every single person, every Christian out there is still fighting with sin because mm-hmm. we live in a fallen age. We have to keep taking the cure every day. <laughs> so, you know, if, Christ, if homosexual, you know, the LGBT community comes to the church, great. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, it, they're certainly no more prone to sinning than I am, for Pete's yeah. sake, probably better off. I thought it was interesting in, in in one of the parts of the movie of Audacity that Ray Comfort mentions to a homosexual he's doing street evangelism with that um, he says, do you, he was asking them the question about, do, were they born that way? And he asked, he switched it around. He says, do you think that you can be born um, being an adulterer or being um, a fornicator? And he kind of caught him on that. And he was like, well, I was born a fornicator. He says, I, I even from a very young age, I was having lustful thoughts for every little girl I saw. And, and he said, I, I was born that way. It's the sin that I struggle with. And so I had to, to find peace through Christ. And that, to me, that was very impactful that he was willing to, you know, first of all, ex- admit to them that he was born with a sin too. Mm-hmm. And, that that's where we come out of is that we were all born with a sin that we are predisposed to do. And that doesn't mean that we should keep doing it. God, Christ's message was there is salvation, go and sin no more. So, but we've gotten a little far off topic. Yeah, pretty, pretty <laughs> sure. I just saw a rabbit run by. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did want to deal with that though. Cause it is in the news right now. Yeah. Um, and it, it does bring about sadness. It does bring a, I, I, that's, I, you know, kind of where we let into it is what I don't feel angry. I feel sad. And I think that that, that is, um, you know, how we can tie this back into this movie is that sometimes what emotions are stirred by the things that go on are not always the ones you think are going to be. And, um, I think that above all Christians are mostly saddened by sin, not angered by it. Yeah. And I think they should be. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, and like I said earlier, I think that's why Christ was so far, sorrowful was because of sin. I mean, I, when he looked at Jerusalem and, and mourned over Jerusalem and, and I think it was, he, he was really looking at all the people and, and lost in their sin and, and he was mourning over it. I mm-hmm. think God mourns over our sin, but that's sorrow is a result of sin. So but we have a hope. We do have a hope. It's a wonderful hope. Yes, it is. One of the things that, uh, you know, the the core ideas of this movie was that your core memories drive your personality. And ah, yes. I thought that, you know, that they had the whole situation where they, they had these dominant memories that had occurred in Riley's childhood. And they had each created an island um, that she would fall back to uh, in certain situations, you know, Goofy Island and Family Island and Friendship Island. And all of which were powered by joyful memories. Yeah, joyful memories, exactly. And it, and they started falling apart when Joy wasn't there to hold them together. But 
and and but they show at the end that there was a new memory that arose out of the, a new family island that arose out of sorrow and joy put together um and so it of of personality her basically they show riley's personality completely fragments and destroys during this movie <laughs> <laughs> if if those core core memories were her her personality they removed the core memories and took them off to long term so Long-term are you memory. saying Riley belongs in a padded room? I think she's there a little bit. <laughs> she kind of did. Um, it, it's kind of such an interesting situation, you know, where the, you know, the scene that I absolutely love was the, the mom and dad at the, at the table and her responses to their questions were the only responses she could give because she didn't have joy and she didn't have sadness in to respond Mm -hmm. so she only had disgust fear and anger to respond to her parents with and so it was definitely um a teenager yeah that sounds like adolescence to me (laughs) yeah which i thought was really funny is they made a point of saying at the end that their new control board had this thing called puberty on it (laughs) wasn't she already going through that (laughs) what's this button do oh it can't be important (laughs) um but what do you think do you think it's memories that generate our personality uh uh, you know it comes down to the question of nature versus nurture Mm -hmm. uh which is a huge topic all its own both in scientific and and, uh theological circles and we've actually discussed it somewhat in other episodes i think we talked about it in um transcendence we were saying that if you missed one memory when you uploaded him he would be a completely different person person. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah we did um i I don't know you know it the core memories in the context of the movie they certainly informed her actions Mm -hmm. so i think they played they served a important role in the movie right. that made sense in the, in the overall cut. Right. Uh, it, it, does it work that way in my head? I hope not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they showed that like the hockey Island that was in the friendship Island, I guess for me, those kind of memories never existed because I moved around growing up, um, just moved around so much mm-hmm. that I never had, those kind of islands grow in my personality, I guess. So family island was always the biggest one for me. Um, probably faith island was the other big one, um, which is kind of interesting because in all the moving around, I think it built my faith up, but I think it shattered it for my brother. Um, we're spectrum opposites now. Yeah, that, uh, it, that effect is, uh, is present in my family too. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how the, the the same experiences can create different people. Yeah, and you know earlier you had mentioned about how uh, the process of the move and the uh, changes that she went through essentially tore down her whole her core personality mm-hmm. and caused it to rebuild. And I was thinking about how in what. We've discussed that I'm a, a vet. I did uh, eight years right. in the first Gulf War, uh, though never saw combat. And uh, when you go through basic training, that's what they do. They tear the, the whole point of the first half of basic training is to tear you down, tear down your core elements and rebuild you mm-hmm. because it's an important part of learning to be an effective unit, an effective team. 
and right. uh, an effective team member, specifically mm-hmm. uh, either leader or follower or, you know, in many cases, both. Right. So, um, you know, we need, you need to stop thinking of I and and you put yourself into a, a mini position. Yeah. Or, yeah. And it, that's a lot of that is like what Riley was going through, especially given the focus on the happy little girl. Right. Yeah, that there was that line where her mom addressed her. Um, we're so happy that you're staying. So, you know, you're our smiley little girl. If we can keep smiling, it would help be a big help to dad. No, um, before you go on, when she said that line, did you have any specific thoughts? Well, I, you know, it kind of shot back to some of actually some of the other ep- episodes that we've discussed were parenthood and fatherhood and, um, I think that for me, especially the keep on smiling thing was really difficult. Cause like I just said, we moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I started moving when I was probably younger than Riley was in this movie. Um, well I had made probably four or five moves by the time I was her age. Wow. <laughs> um, it, it is, it's a situation where after a while it just becomes normal mm-hmm. and you know, new, new school, new kids, um, I think it made me cling tighter to my family because they were the only constant. Okay. So it, it's like I said, different experiences for different, you know, generate different personality and different people. I mean, my brother went through the same thing I did, um, but he came out to be a totally different person than I am. Yeah. And, but I think that, that the situation um, I cling, clung to my family and I clung to my faith and I don't know. It, it's hard to say whether the keeping on smiling thing ever happened. I think I was probably a pretty moody kid. <laughs> I, uh, when they said the line in the movie, I was thinking, oh, that's so cute. And then <laughs> at the end of the movie, where uh, Riley breaks down in tears, I can't be mm-hmm. your happy little girl. I felt so guilty. Yeah. I was like, holy mackerel. I cannot believe the weight mm-hmm. that they were That's putting a- on this 11-year-old girl. And they yeah. didn't even notice it. I, I mean, I didn't see it either. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a, and th- th- it's a big burden, but at the same time I think it grows you up faster because um that's one of the things that I've noticed from my moving around is I think I matured a lot faster. Uh, I started to see people for who they really were. I think if you're stuck with the same people all the time, like when you're growing up and you have the same kids in class with you as you mm-hmm. grow, um, you, you're just so used to them, you don't really see them for who they really are. And I think that seeing people with new eyes, when you get stuck in situations like school and that kind of thing, you, you kind of start to stand back and kind of go, okay, that's the bully, that's the popular girl. And everybody kind of fits into you know, a click yeah. and you, a and you start to being, yeah, well, you start to being able to identify them a lot easier than if you're in the middle of it all the time. And with, you know, from almost like you're looking at things from a distance that's provided from being new. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, it matures you faster. And then when your parents rely on you to be able to pick up the slack, you know, when there's things wrong in the family or whatever, I think that that matures you. It's like a trigger condition. Um, yeah. You basically step up to the plate and take care mm-hmm. of it. My wife had the, the a very similar 
circumstance where she essentially raised her three younger siblings because her parents were uh, so busy trying to keep food on the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you see that in, in this situation, it, they seem like the perfect family, but you do see that her father is under a great deal of stress, that the move was not something that he wanted to do. It was something he had to do. Mm-hmm. And and I think that it was work-related, and he was. they did a very good job of without focusing on him showing how stressed he was. And I think that kids sense that, regardless of whether they're told to keep smiling or not, um, kids sense that kind of stress. And he certainly seemed to be a strong encourager of that goofy personality in, yeah. in Riley. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that that is helpful for, for parents to continue to have that kind of relationship with their kid, even when they are under stress, to be able to find that pers- that time to spend with their kids that they need. Yeah. That interaction. So. I, I, I just got to say, at the end of that movie, I didn't break down bawling or anything. And even if I did, I wouldn't admit it. But uh, <laughs> I, I had tears running down my cheek and I was <clears throat> looking to both sides, making sure, you know, neither of my kids saw that I was crying. <laughs> Is that important? Big men, big fathers I, don't I can't, cry. can't have them seeing me <laughs> show emotion. Did you stay all the way to the end of the credit? Uh. I don't know if we stayed. Yeah, yeah, we did actually stay all the way to the end of the credits. There was a line. It was right at the end, right before the logos. Um, this film is dedicated to our kids. Please don't grow up, period. Ever, <laughs> period. That was the last line in the credits. I didn't see and I, that. I thought it was the cutest thing. I, I just, um, you know, because the whole the movie really is about growing up. Yeah. I mean, to some degree, and I just thought that was really cute and that they'd stuck that. You know, if you stop feeding them, they, it just <laughs> doesn't, doesn't help. No, no, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you can get them taken away from you. Not that I'm to. speaking from experience or anything. <laughs> well, that pretty much does it for my notes. One thing that I wanted to mention, well, a few things I liked was that, that when they were journeying around in long-term memory, uh, I thought the abstract thought, the imagination land and the DreamWorks uh, studio were quite interesting. <laughs> I love the DreamWorks. Yes. Although I, yes. I was begging for them to put something in there about DreamWorks, the, the uh, theater. Cause Different you, company. Yeah, because Pixar and DreamWorks are essentially they're in direct competition. Yeah. Yeah. Would have been it would have been funny to, you know, get a jibe in there or something, yeah. but I didn't see anything. <laughs> um the other thing which was not related to the movie, and this is just just a personal thing that I noted, um, there were like three or four previews, all kids' movies, which makes sense considering the material, mm-hmm. um, prior to the beginning of of uh, Inside Out and all of them had heavy indoctrination evolution. Every single one of them. What were the three? And, uh, one was a dinosaur was, one. One was Minions, one was Zootopia, and the other one was The Good Dinosaur. Those were the three I actually remembered the titles for. Utopia. I don't remember that one. Zootopia. Oh, yeah. Zootopia. Um, yeah. Um, so oh, I was, yeah, yeah. I remember it had the fox. <laughs> yeah, it it, it it just really struck me how much Hollywood, or in this case, Disney, Pixar, is really pushing evolution on our kids, our really young kids. And it's to me, it's just a reminder um, as parents to be 
openly discussing issues with our children when we take them to the movie. I mean, I'm not saying don't take them to the movies, right. but be willing to um, talk about some of these issues afterwards. Yeah, um, use it as a springboard. If, Right. If you're if you're going to take your children to these movies, you have to realize that there's content in them that, well, hopefully you don't agree with all the content that's in them um, so that you can discuss it with them afterwards. Oh, even, you know, even if you do agree with it, you can always play devil's advocate or use it to um, delve deeper into the uh, the points of discussion. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is not something that we just go in and I mean, that's the point of this podcast. Don't just go into movies and watch them. You need to be thinking and and really paying attention to agendas and themes. And um, don't don't just watch. We should use that as a tagline. Oh, you know what? That's a great idea. Yeah, let's do that. Well, was there anything left in your notes? No, no, there, there, there weren't. Uh, I made, I made most of that stuff up. So, <laughs> um, but the, I really, I, I so enjoyed the uh, emotional roller coaster, uh, <laughs> which just makes me think of the train of thought. Uh, yeah, <laughs> emotional roller coaster. And, yep. This movie yep. took took the viewer on, and uh, yeah. I thought it was a masterful bit of storytelling. And uh, a very useful uh, metaphor. <laughs> I can never remember, you know, metaphor, analog, uh, analogy. Uh, one of those very useful way to uh, get get across a, a great story. Yeah, yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I went to see it. It usually I'd wait till Pixar movies are out on DVD before I watch them. Cause I just don't see that they're worth spending money on, but um, this one, it was enjoyable. I'm, I'm glad I went to see it. So, yeah. And now our, it's up to our listeners. I'm sure if you, at this point you have made it through this entire podcast that you have thoughts and feelings about the movie as well. And we would love for you to comment on the show notes, which are at, are you just watching.com slash 50. Hey, it's our 50th episode. Yay, we're halfway to really old. <laughs> That's kind of a mile marker. Halfway um, to Willard Scott. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, leave leave the comments in the show notes. You can also call us at 903-231-2221 and leave us a voicemail. Um, email us at feedback at areyoujustwatching.com. Like us on Facebook subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. We would really, really appreciate some reviews on iTunes. I was just looking at our store posting in iTunes the other day, and we haven't really had any reviews since 2009. Yeah. So we would really like it if, especially if you subscribe to us through iTunes, if you could just pop on over and leave us a review um, so that other people who are looking for podcasts can know what you think about us. Yeah, so. share your feelings about Inside Out. Yeah, sh- yeah, yeah. Um, so definitely review our podcast. Um, there is, if you go to our website, areyoujustwatching.com, we have a promote and support uh, link and would just really encourage if if you like what we do here um, to try and support us uh, if in any way possible let other people know about us um, push us on Facebook share our episodes in your feed um, tw- tweet about us um, you can follow both of us on Twitter I'm at Twitter at Eve Franklin 
I'm on Twitter at Renchepple, which is R-E-N-C-H-E-P-L-E. Yep. So there's lots of ways that you can get in touch with us. I would say probably the if you're not going to do any of the others, at least like us on Facebook because we um, we we try to always post uh, things there that may not necessarily get posted in our feed. So and that's probably by all means. It's, let's start a discussion. Yeah. We've had a we've had a number of uh, likes recently, which has been very encouraging. I'd like to mm-hmm. see more posts, more yeah. comments. Comments, yes, please. Um, we we would love to know you're out there and what you think. And it, please suggest movies if there's a movie that you would like to hear us talk about. Um, now that I have a full time co-host um, in Tim, uh, maybe we can take on some of those um, requests. That would be wonderful. So. Um, I think that's everything. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I'm Eve Franklin. I'm Tim Martin. Thanks for listening. And don't just watch. Are you just watching? Is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. Our opening vocal talent was thanks to Mariah. The theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis. For more great podcasts like this one, visit the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. That's noodle.mx. Noodle.